Hey everybody, welcome to the X Report. I'm Raven X and alongside me as always is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka banging the drum for pa- John Morant to be an all-star game starter, which I mean honestly he should be. How you doing today, Ethan? I'm good. Um uh, yeah, so my my sports run of good luck has finally died down a tad bit, but fortunately for me. I'm a bigger Grizzlies fan than I am a Titans fan, so I have that to look forward to right now. I feel that. I'm the opposite. I'm more of a Ravens LSU fan than a Lakers fan, or at least since Kobe retired. So it's been kind of different. So at least me not being as much of a basketball fan has made my life a bit easier. But even still, we got a cool show for you guys today. Of course, we are going to talk the divisional round of the playoffs and look at the futures of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. With regards to the NBA, we are going to talk what's next for James Harden if he does decide to leave the Nets this offseason and potential trades that could be taking place. But before we get to any of that, please sure to check out the xreport.net. I repeat, xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours, truly and fellow export writers, and previous episodes of our lovely podcast. And I forgot to mention, we have our Royal Rumble. 2022 predictions as well but let's go ahead and kick things off with the nfl we're just going to jump right into things looking at what took place in the divisional round of the playoffs starting off with your titans who fell at home to the cincinnati Bengals 19 to 16 49ers upset the packers 13 to 10 rams edge out the bucks 30 to 27 and the chiefs defeat the buffalo bills in a barn burner 42 to 36 on the weekend, I went two and two. Ethan went three and one. So overall, I think pretty much the biggest game that screwed us was the 49ers one, but I don't think anybody really could have expected that. Oh uh, yeah. I think honestly given revisionist history, I failed to I failed to realize that the 49ers have owned the Packers in the playoffs, which is weird because if you look at the two teams, the four the Packers are uh, the far superior, more talented team than the 49ers. But I think the 49ers have something that just tends to frustrate Aaron Rodgers, which is they, they're good at creating pressure from multiple spots on the field. Like they have Nick Bosa, who is one of the best pass, young pass rushers in the NFL. They have, um, I think his name is B.J. Ford, up the middle creating pressure. And, oh, B.J. Jones. And then yeah, D. Ford. Jones, I'm sorry. But, uh, but yeah, like, they, they can create pressure from multiple spots on the field. And we all know when you have an elite quarterback, the one thing that you – the one thing that they hate is being pressured. And also, given the conditions in which they had to play in, like, it, I feel like it was – it kind of – I hate – I think what, in my opinion, what messed the Packers up was they kept trying to – like, I understand Aaron Rodgers is a great, a great quarterback. But you also have two dynamic running backs that I feel like you could have went to and that could have changed the output of that game, especially when it was how close it was. You could have just mauled them down the field and maybe got a, a touchdown or a field goal and the, the um, tie would have been different. You would have thought, but, I mean, that's the beauty of the playoffs. I mean, unexpected things happen. And overall, this was a great weekend of ball. So let's go ahead and move on to the players we are most impressed by, disappointed by, in our rookie of the week, I'll start off. I was most impressed by Bills wide receiver Gabriel Davis. I mean, even though the Bills lost this game, I mean, no one on the offense should hold their head down, especially Gabriel Davis, who had a real coming out party. Eight catches for 201 yards and four touchdowns. I know I crap on the Chiefs a lot for having a terrible secondary, but, I mean, Gabriel Davis just reminded everybody just how bad the Chiefs were and just how much potential that he has. 
Yeah, for me, I'm in agreement with Gabriel Davis. Like you said, eight catches for 200 plus yards and four touchdowns. And he, in in a game where you were thinking that Stephon Diggs might have been the best wide receiver on the field, he made a big impact. Yes, I understand Tyreek Hill made a big impact for the Chiefs. But from the wide receiver position, he was the biggest impact player that whole game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just letting one man do everything to you is rough. And then RIP to Mike Hughes' ankles after that third touchdown because that, that just hurt my feelings to see. But, all right, moving on to my most disappointing player. I hate to go this route because I know this is your team, but I got to go Ryan Tannehill. First play of the game, you throw an interception. Two other interceptions. Yes, they're bobble, but, I mean, that last one came at literally the worst time to do it. I mean, it just kind of encompasses some of the frustration with Ryan Tannehill and the questions of if he can really help lead this Titans team to more success. Oh, uh, For me, I'm going Titans as well, but I have a double entendre, whereas first I'm going to say um, our secondary. Because, yes, I understand Ryan Tannehill threw that interception, but I think if we would have held the job down in our secondary, this game wouldn't have – it still would have been a different outcome. Like, he would have probably went to overtime, and who knows, maybe we would have had another game decided by overtime. But I think the secondary failed to do their job um, in that final drive. But also, yeah, Ryan Tannehill. I'm still a believer in Tannehill. I think that he did make a crucial mistake because if you watch – if you watch the film where they play back, he forced a throw that, you know, sometimes when you're a quarterback, you force a throw to make a play. But you had a wide open Anthony Ferkser going up, going across the middle of the field that would have, if you would have hit him in stride, he would have very well got gotten that first down because it was no one within 10 yards of him. But it's just, I think it's hard because Tannehill had a tough year this year. And I mean, He's one of those things, too, where people fail to realize it's like he had a carousel of weapons around him. He never really had the same steady weapons throughout the course of the season because, I mean, just a season ago, people were saying he was a top 10 quarterback, and I understand he made mistakes, but, like, I'm not that big. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm, I'm not going to be that harsh on him just because of um just one bad, not even horrible season, but kind of hiccup of a season. I respect that. I mean, moving on to, like, long-term, I think that after a while, like, if he has another season like this year, then I think that the Titans will definitely kind of reassess what to do with him and what they're going to do at quarterback. But, I mean, right now, I mean, unfortunately, it's not a whole bunch of better options available to them right now. So, I just say don't rock the boat if it's not necessary. But, all right, my rookie of the week, you know the name. You know where I was going. Jamar Chase, another 100-yard game on five catches. Probably my favorite moment of the weekend in general was when he caught that uh, big screenplay and him and Christian Fulton were going back and forth. Because, I mean, I understand y'all LSU teammates. It's great to see my Tigers going at each other. But, I mean, Christian, you can't say nothing to me. Because if you would have made the tackle when you were supposed to, this would have been a, maybe a five-yard game. But instead, I took it all the way to your territory. So, stop talking. Um, I'm going with another Bengals rookie. Um, what's the kicker's name? Evan McPherson. Yeah, Evan McPherson. I got to go with him. Given the fact that you're a rookie kicker in a divisional round of a playoff game that no one expected you to be in, and you make arguably the biggest play of the game, kicking a, what, a 52-yard field goal, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like I, I understand Jamar Chase and everything that he did, but I think that one kick overshadowed a lot from Jamar Chase because this is what won the game in a spot where anybody like you've seen veteran kickers fold and I hate to say it because it's against my team, but the fact that he called it right before he did it where he was saying, I guess you're going to the divisional championship game. Like this ballsy. So I gotta go with Evan McPherson. I totally understand. I mean that was cool. You know I hate Florida, but I mean I respect Evan McPherson. I mean he's no Justin Tucker yet, but he's he's a bad dude. All right, so let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk some of the latest NFL news, starting with um, coaching and front office changes. Starting things off, the Giants seem to have found their general manager after hiring Joe Schoen, I hope that's how you pronounce his last name, from the Buffalo Bills. He was their assistant GM and is now taking over in the Big Apple and apparently is determined to make things work with Daniel Jones and said he was going to find weapons and players that assinuate accentuate his skill set good luck with that mr joe moving on to the chicago bears they found their head coach after hiring defensive coordinator for the indianapolis Colts, matt eberflus and the denver broncos have hired packers offensive coordinator nathaniel hackett as their new head coach now unfortunately with so many coaches coming in Another one is bound to leave, and it was announced earlier this week that Sean Payton, after 15 seasons, is going to be retiring. While he didn't totally rule out the potential of him coming back to the NFL, he said for right now, he's done. And right now, I don't blame him considering the state that the Saints are leaving in. They have questions at quarterback, questions at whether offense is going to stand, and right now, right now, they are at negative $74 million over the cap. So... Ethan, let's be honest, a fire sale is bound to happen in the Big Easy. So let's say your GM is giving a call to uh, New Orleans. What player are you trying to take off of their hands? Uh, I think it's easy for me, Cameron Jordan. Um, I think he is the given, he's the most impactful player, especially on their defensive front. And he... He's a guy that you can put into any team. He's going to have a locker room presence, and people are going to respect him because of his career so far. And he plays a vital position on the defensive line where, like we've stated numerous times, this this league is a quarterback-driven league. And what, from a defensive standpoint, what do you need to kind of subdue that quarterback-driven league? You need, you need pass rushers, and Cameron Jordan is one of the best pass rushers in the game right now. That's fair. Cam Jordan was definitely up there for me. But I'm actually going to go on the other side of the line. I'm going Ryan Ramchek, their right tackle. I know he just signed a hefty extension, and rightfully so. But if looking at Baltimore's offense, I mean, we can blame it on injuries all we want to. But, I mean, their offensive line was rough. Alejandro Villanueva, he's got to go. I know technically he has one more year on his deal. He's not going to be starting for my Ravens. That's just not going to happen. And while we're going to get Ronnie Stanley back to man the left tackle position, which I'm comfortable with, the right tackle position still is going to need some work. So with that being said, I would take Ryan Ramchek, easily top three at worst player at that position, help short the line and help get some protection for Lamar Jackson. All right, I mentioned it earlier, but let's talk some quarterbacks whose future is also in doubt. Starting, so let's ask the question of, which quarterback retirement do you feel is more likely, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? 
Tom, being honest, Tom Brady, I think that Tom Brady, you said it numerous times, Tom Brady really doesn't have anything left to prove in this league. And at the age, he's what, 44, mm-hmm. 43? 45 by the time the season starts. Yeah, so he'll be 45 by the time the season starts. He's at that age to where I think the reality of it is is things are more important in life than playing football. Like you have a family, you have a wife, and you spent basically your whole life away from your family because of the game that you love. And once you get to that point, and honestly, once you're up in age, no matter what um, medical treatments you give yourself, those hits that you take don't get no lessen in pain. They only amplify in pain. So I probably would say Tom Brady. I agree with that. I mean, at first I was kind of leaning towards Aaron Rodgers just because I feel like just the overall frustration may be getting to him. And while he's still relatively young, I want to say he's like 37, 38, at least young and outside of football world, he has a whole world of opportunity for him. Hell, I mean, if he wanted, he probably could go host Jeopardy. But I don't know if you saw the comments that Tom Brady made on his podcast because in one, he referenced Kobe Bryant, so you know I cared. And he was like – um. We never know what's going to happen in the future. We really don't. Kobe Bryant, a friend of ours, God rest his soul. We think we're going to live forever. We're not. We think we're going to play forever. We're not. What can we do? We can enjoy the moments we have. And I think with Tom Brady, it's just like he doesn't have anything else to prove. I mean, widely considered to be the greatest quarterback of all time. Coming off an incredible season statistically, they lost, but it's not on him. I mean – Aside from winning a Super Bowl, I mean, Tom Brady is going out on top. And I think that Tom would rather leave on his terms where he's still playing well as opposed to struggling and having a bad year. Because I hate to say it, Peyton Manning's last year was rough. If it didn't end in a Super Bowl, I would have said he should have retired sooner. And I don't think Tom really wants to go out like that. So I'm in agreement with you with regards to Tom. But kind of talking about Aaron Rodgers, after their loss to the 49ers, his – um. He was pretty mum on his future with the Packers. He said, I'm definitely going – the thing is, i definitely going to look in a different – I'm sorry, I can't even think. I think the thing is definitely going to look different in Green Bay moving forward. He also added that he did not want to stay around for a rebuild. So many guys' contracts are up on the brink, a lot of decisions to be made. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild if I'm going to keep playing. However, while we all acknowledge that Aaron Rodgers is very talented, questions about his overall greatness have been called into question. It's been 10 years since the Packers' last Super Bowl appearance. And on the JT and Don podcast, um, the comment was made, it's going to be hard to keep pushing him into the GOAT conversation on talent alone. You got to win big games. He has amazing regular seasons. So did Peyton Manning. When Peyton kept choking in the playoffs, losing at home to Brady, people kept looking at him sideways until he started winning Super Bowls. So, Ethan, do you think that, let's say Aaron Rodgers did call it a career, do you think that the fact that he did not have better overall success is going to keep him out of the conversations of the greatest of all time? I do, um, because we live in a time where the thing that makes you the GOAT is your winning status. And, I mean, I'm going to take it to basketball. You look at basketball, a big reason why a lot of people say Michael Jordan is the GOAT is because he has six championships. A reason people argue that Kobe is the GOAT because he has five. A reason that people put LeBron into the conversation is because he has four. Like, they all have multiple championships. In the case of 
Tom Brady, a big reason why is because he has seven Super Bowl wins. And no other quarterback in the NFL has come close to that number. And with Aaron Rodgers, he, as a talent, yes. And the thing with the GOAT is you combine talent plus achievement. Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, is a far superior talent at quarterback than Tom Brady. But Tom Brady was a, a great talent at quarterback, but he also has the winning resume associated with his name, whereas Aaron Rodgers only has been in, what, two Super Bowls in his tenure at Green Bay and has only won one Super Bowl championship. So I definitely think that that's going to, you know, hinder his name because you even throw Peyton Manning in there. Like a lot of people don't include him in the GOAT conversation of football players. For because of like he didn't, they felt like he didn't win enough because at his peak, Peyton Manning was arguably the best quarterback or tied with best quarterback with Tom Brady. But the thing that separates the two of them is Tom Brady has seven, Peyton has two. Now, me being a Peyton Manning fan, I've heard that argument all my life. And in terms of like, if I had to pick somebody. In the regular season, similar to Aaron Rodgers, I got to pick a quarterback to win. I'm going Peyton. I'm going to Aaron Rodgers, hands down. But what makes Tom Brady such a stellar player is no matter what, Tom Brady is going to get the job done. Hell, I mean, they were just down 27-3 to to the Rams, and then he really helped pave the way for him them to come back. And the thing is, I don't think there's ever been a quarterback that it's just like no matter what the situation is, I can't count out Tom Brady. And as much as I love Peyton Manning, like I said, his last season, I could count him out. It was rough. It was it was it was a bad year. But he's had other regular seasons like that 2013 season when, in truth, it looked like the greatest. In my opinion, it's the greatest season that a quarterback has ever had. But he didn't win the Super Bowl after that, so it's like it don't mean a thing without a ring. And I think that kind of that's similar with Aaron Rodgers because while we know he's talented, I mean Aaron Rodgers. The way he plays the game is beautiful, but you don't have much to show for it. And I think that's kind of something similar to Drew Brees. Put up great numbers, but didn't really have much to show for it. So, yeah, I think that if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get another ring, it's it's going to be tough to kind of include him in that top quarterback conversation. But moving on to Mr. Brady, who we all know is the top quarterback. Um, Like I said, he's been pretty mum on his future. And Bruce Arians... Fixed his mouth to say at the end of the season press conference to become, I'd be comfortable if it is Brady's last season. Arian said, I like what we have. Who do they have? They have Blaine Gabbard, Kyle Trask, a rookie who saw no time, and Ryan Griffin. Tom Brady, as we all know, has a stellar career, 243 wins compared to just 73 losses, 84,520 passing yards, 624 passing touchdowns, whereas Trask, Gabbard, and Griffin combined have a 13 to 35 record, 9,291 yards, and 50 passing touchdowns. So, if you are the Bucks and Tom Brady retires, would you really be comfortable with what you have, or are you out looking on the market? I think it, I would be out looking on the market. I wonder was he making that that statement solely based on the quarterbacks that he has, or the complete roster that he has? Because if he's solely based on quarterbacks. Crap, no. The quarterbacks that they have are are bad. But if you're talking about total roster healthy, then yes, because you can insert, like, and also when you have a situation like Aaron Rodgers going on, who's to say 
like, yes, his name has been associated with the Broncos and the Raiders and all of these other teams, but who's to say that, you know, he hits free agency and the same pitch that they sold to Tom Brady, they can sell it to Aaron Rodgers, and it also could have some more steam to it because he could, they can say, like, hey, we brought Aaron Rodgers, we brought Tom Brady in, and his first year here, he won a Super Bowl. Right. And we have, you know, we have Mike Evans, we have Chris Godwin, we have – pieces that you can build around we also have a really a good defense so i think if you're looking at it from total total roster standpoint i can back this statement but if you're just talking about the quarterbacks in the quarterback room then no yeah no i mean because looking at the roster and the way it was constructed i love me some Jameis winston but i mean he was not enough to get them over the hump but they still virtually had the same roster that they had the year that Jameis was there to when Tom Brady was there. They had so much talent, but unfortunately they didn't have a quarterback to help kind of push them over the hump. And so, I mean, while their secondary is a joke and is terrible, you look at that front, you got great linebackers like Devin White, Levante, David are some dogs. Defensively, I mean, you just re-signed Vita Vea. You may be losing uh, Indomitian Sue and JPP in free agency, but you can make that work. Shaq Barrett just re-signed offensively. As you mentioned, you have weapons there. So, uh, truthfully, I think that, honestly, while their quarterbacks, they may want to stick with something familiar, you don't want to get your team back in a position where you just had Tom Brady and then you go like to Blaine Gabbert. Nobody wants to go from that type of descent. And so, no, I think that they'd be looking out for some other quarterback unless for some somehow Kyle Trask really explodes and has a great sophomore year despite not playing his uh, rookie year. But all right, one more question before we go ahead and play a quick game of believable or buffoonery. We mentioned how great of a game the Bills and Chiefs were, but a lot of people were upset that essentially Chiefs won the coin toss, Chiefs won the game. And it has had fans and players split as with regards to if overtime rules in the NFL need to be changed. For example, from the standpoint of Keenan Allen, he said, FYI, these overtime games are not decided by a coin toss. Defense wins championships. Don't ever forget that. Saquon Barkley in response said, whoever wins the coin toss wins the game. Rookie wide receiver for the Detroit Lions said, great game by both teams, but the overtime rules have got to change. No coin flip should have that much power. Ethan, in your opinion, do you feel like these rules need to change? Um, I think I think they do. And I think the way that it should change is it should be, add, it should be a whole uh, extra quarter added to the game. Very similar to basketball because the thing of it is, is I don't like I don't I understand that the defense has to make a stop, but if you if the chances are you you don't make a stop and you just lose excuse me you just lose the game, then that's incredibly difficult because it's like hey we can drive because we all know. Like, you can script drives, and when you script drives, sometimes they're incredibly successful. So if you have a scripted drive that you have set for overtimes and it's successful, and then you don't even give the team another opportunity to um, to answer, and, like, and that's the end of it, then yes. I think they should just change it to, you know, Either do it college style where both teams get chances to respond or just make it to where it's another quarter instead of the first team that scores. If the team that wins the top scores, then it's over because it's like 
What if you're in the game, in the situation where you're playing the team with a bad defense? Then, yes, it's probably a foregone conclusion that you're going to win the game. Or in the case of the Bills, like, it's not that they had a bad defense. They just were playing the Chiefs team that were incredibly hot, and they were making all the plays, just like they were making all the plays on offense. So I think they should change them. Personally, I don't think they should. I think that while, yes, there have been instances like this one, like first team that gets the ball is going to score. But we've also seen other overtime games where that's not the case. I mean, just looking back at what the Raiders game, they didn't score the first time they got – no. Which Raiders game was that? They went to overtime. No, it was a Chargers game that went to overtime. Fuck. I remember when I don't care. But there have been several games. It was the Raiders and Chargers to secure the playoff game. No, that game was that yeah, no. No, it was overtime. Yeah, that is yeah, exactly. So that first possession, they didn't go down there and score, but I thought everybody went and scored. I mean, I think that like Keenan Allen said, we need to put more of an emphasis and put more responsibility on defenses. Like, yes, I know you're tired. I know that this is rough. But even still, I mean, you still got to go out there and play four quarters, if not more. And so I think that it should just be more accountability because, I mean, let's be honest, with that bang, the – um what's it called, Chiefs and Bills game, they were not going to stop scoring. Neither defense was stopping anything. So what are you going to do when both go tip for tap and then you mess around and it's another overtime? And while I love football as much as the next person, I just think that while it's – while I understand the logic of you win the coin toss, you win the game, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, hell, Baltimore went to overtime against the Raiders week one. We didn't get the – no, we got the ball back. They We didn't score. They got the ball back. They didn't score. So I don't think that – I don't – like you said, if they're going to change it, I think that they should just add like a 10-minute quarter and like call it a day. But I don't think that it should necessarily be like – I don't think a big change needs to be made. But all right, let's go ahead and play Believable or Buffoonery, starting off with the – Minnesota Vikings quarterback, Kirk Cousins. We talked about it a lot with Kirk Cousins, kind of him being that wild card with regards to what Kirk you're going to get. And it seems that the Vikings could potentially be looking to move him. If so, teams like the Broncos, Panthers, and Steelers are expected to be interested. So, believable or buffoonery, we have seen the last of Kirk Cousins in a Vikings uniform. I think it's believable. I think that they've seen everything he has to offer and especially when you have a situation where you have the weapons that are not as dynamic as Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson when you see when you have those two weapons I think you see the best that you have after your quarterback and that's to say that Kirk Cousins isn't a bad quarterback but I don't think that he's the guy that could potentially help lift the Vikings to um Honestly, I can't even say Super Bowl aspirations, but winning that division right. because they have they have a good defense and they have good weapons. You also have a great running back in Dalvin Cook. It's no, in my opinion, it's no reason that the only reason that the Vikings are with that and injuries are in a position where they don't win the division is their quarterback play. I'm gonna say buffoonery. I think that especially trying to bring in. A new head coach. I feel like they're gonna try to like it's a kind of a similar situation to what I was saying with the Titans of how much better are you really going to get? And I think that right now Kirk Cousins is a very solid option, unless they're just totally just gonna start over. I think that 
I would hitch my wagon to Kirk Cousins just one more year, especially with so much turnover looking like it's going to be happening with the Packers. So if this was the time for the Vikings to strike, it was now. And so I would give Kirk one more year, and then if it doesn't work, because I believe he only has one more year on his deal left anyway, you just go ahead and move on to Kellen Mond or whoever you decide to move on to. All right, moving on to the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones, obviously upset after their wild card win. I mean, wild card loss called out his wide receiver, Amari Cooper. Mind you, signed a over $100 million contract extension a couple of seasons ago and said this. Amari Cooper should take half the field with him when he runs a wild. A whole bunch of that defense ought to have to honor Cooper. He ought to be able to catch in the middle when they're going with them. Others do. You throw to people that are covered all the time. So, believable or buffoonery, is Amari Cooper still wide receiver one material in Dallas? Mm, I think he is. I think he's just one of those situations to where um, – I feel like it's hard for you to say, like, he should take a whole half of a field when you have as talented a group of wide receivers as Dallas has because you arguably could have two bona fide wide receivers, one on the same team, and Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson. They're not bad themselves. So I understand the frustration and maybe the the lack of production that he had in that playoff game. But I I also think that Jerry Jones just needs to shut up and let players play. So, like, I, for me, I'm going to say it's believable that I think you can still be a wide receiver one. For me, I'm kind of on the fence about it because I think that why, the thing about Amari Cooper is – He's consistent. He's not a world beater. He's not the fastest dude on the field. He's not the most explosive dude on the field. However, typically when you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it, and he's going to do something with it. Unfortunately, this was just a bad overall year for the offense, and I think that it really just kind of reflected in the play in the numbers of Cooper. Truthfully, if I look at the receiving court for the Cowboys, I'm most excited about CeeDee Lamb. I think CeeDee Lamb is a star in the making, but unfortunately the last few weeks of the season he wasn't really able to show that. And I think that I can understand Jerry Jones's frustration because he did just give Amari Cooper a $100 million contract, and that's a whole lot of money to give to any player, nonetheless a wide receiver you have some questions about. But I think he can still be wide receiver one material, but I can understand why the frustration is there. All right, speaking of frustrating wide receivers, we got to talk Antonio Brown, who earlier this week was on the I Am Athlete podcast where he talked about where he hopes his next destination will be. When he asked who his next quarterback he wants to play with is, he said Lamar Jackson, to which Lamar Jackson and other Ravens seem pretty cool with. Um, AB even posted a picture of himself wearing a Ravens jersey. That's all fun and games until a move is actually made. So believable or buffoonery, the Ravens will be the next stop for A.B. Buffoonery. The Ravens shouldn't touch this man with a three-and-a-half-foot pole by the words of the Grinch. Um, I think it's bad when, when you have a guy that was in a system in an organization like the Steelers that are very similar of an organization and resemble to the Ravens, he burned bridges there. Then you go to a, the Raiders, who we all know that there was a crap a crap shoot of a show, but they they had playoff on expectations and they were looking like they were going to be a good team on paper. 
he he burned bridges there. And then you go to a team, you get the greatest quarterback in a lot of people's opinion of all time to say, hey, sign this man. He's he's going he's someone that I want. You win a Super Bowl with this man, and then you burn bridges there. No, I don't think he would be playing for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, no, I'm no. I understand the talent that A.B. has. He is great. I mean, hell, when he played this past season, I mean, he looked great. But then all the shenanigans came. And one thing about Baltimore is we're not going to put up with your shenanigans too long. Earl Thomas, a future Hall of Famer, multiple-time Pro Bowl, Super Bowl champion, one of the best safeties of the generation. He was with us for one year, and then the BS started to happen. And what did we do? We got rid of him. And mind you, before the stuff kind of happened, after he got released with regards to his wife and everything, we never really heard anything about Earl Thomas. I mean, the most controversial thing he did was flick off um, Pete Carroll after he broke his leg against the Cardinals, which is honestly one of the funniest things I've seen in a football game. But Baltimore wasn't going to put up with that. If we don't bring in guys with character issues, so just – there's no real way to justify bringing in somebody like Antonio Brown, especially with all the baggage that he carries with him. Baltimore is not that type of organization. You got to try that with a different organization. We'll put up with your crap or in a different locker room because Baltimore is not going to be the one to do it. So, yeah, I'm calling buffoonery. All right, last question. Showing some love to another wide receiver, Cooper Cup, who his kicker, Johnny Hecker, said Cooper Cup should be the MVP. Now, to his credit, Jonathan Taylor, great running back, didn't make the playoffs. Quarterback prospects, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady were knocked out in the division round. Cooper Cup is advancing to the NFC Championship, so believable or buffoonery. Cooper Cup should be the league's MVP this year. No, because, for one, the MVP award is a regular season award, if I'm not mistaken. And, yes, Cooper Cup had an amazing season. But we all know that that award is a quarterback award, and we have two quarterbacks that honestly outperformed him from a quarterback like stat standpoint in the regards of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Because in my opinion, if it's any non-quarterback to win that award, I think Cooper Cup is amazing. But it would have to be Jonathan Taylor, and everyone has already said that Jonathan Taylor isn't going to be MVP. So I don't think Cooper Cup should be MVP. I feel you on that. I say believable as well, mainly just because, I mean, Cooper Cup was amazing and astounding, but the thing is, the benefit of being a running back, I mean, the wide receiver is, there are other wide receivers on the field who can take pressure off of you, such as, I mean, he had Robert Woods for the first part of the season. Then you have Odell coming in and making some plays. Van Jefferson was another good one, whereas in running back, if you're the guy, you're the guy. You know this being a Titans fan. Everybody knows Derrick Henry is coming. However, nobody could stop him. Same thing was going on in Indy. Everybody knew that Jonathan Taylor was going to get the ball. Nobody could stop him. So, yeah, I'm calling buffoonery. I was more impressed by what uh, Jonathan Taylor did than what um, Cooper Cup did. But, all right, let's go ahead and make our predictions from championship weekend. I hate to say it, but I think we're going to get a Chiefs and Rams Super Bowl. What about you? Yeah, I'm in agreement. I think it's Chiefs and Rams. 
I only say I hate to say it because I want the Rams to go. I don't really want the Chiefs to go. I want to see Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl, but we'll see. But, all right, let's talk the offensive, defensive, and rookie players we are watching this week, starting with me offensively. Of course, I'm watching my main man, Joe. I mean, his sophomore season has been tremendous. He's gotten the the Bengals to an unparalleled success already in the AFC Championship, first full season starting, and he gets the chance to do it against the against the Chiefs, who have the worst secondary remaining in the playoffs. We saw the first time what he was able to do to them, 446 yards, four touchdowns, 30 of 39 passing, a tremendous day, and I just think that – if they have any chance of winning, one, he has to stay upright because what the hell was that offensive line play last week? And two, you got to let him rip it. And so I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. Uh, for me, offensively, I'm going to be looking at Matthew Stafford. Um, he's he he's doing what the Rams brought him to do, which is win big games. And he came into some um, – he came into some turbulence last game against the Buccaneers, but I think that in order for them to beat the 49ers, he's going to have to have a big day, and I think he will. All right, moving on to defensive player we're watching. I'm going Jalen Ramsey. Last week's performance against the Bucks was not pretty. I mean, Mike Evans pretty much had his way with him besides a couple of solid plays by Ramsey. If you're the best corner in the league, you got to prove it to me. You got to show me, and you got to do it in the biggest moments. The last couple times he was matched up against Debo, Debo Samuel was having his way with them. And if the if the Rams are going to be able to end their six-game losing streak to the 49ers, Jalen Ramsey has to play a big role in that. Oh, for me, I'm going to say, hmm, I'm actually going to say um, the Chiefs front, four, front seven because – like we like you stated earlier, the um their secondary is bad outside of Tyron Matthew and we don't know if he's gonna play or not. But I think in order to beat the um Bengals, you're gonna have to get consistent pressure on Joe Burrow. And I mean, hey, my team just proved that you can get consistent pressure because we had nine sacks and we still lost the game. But I think the difference is with the Chiefs is if you're able to get consistent pressure and get sacks Andre Burrow, they have the type of offense that can blow the Don Bengals out of the water quick and early. So I'm going to say that Bengals front. I feel you on that. Chiefs front, I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. All right, and my rookie I'm watching is linebacker for the Chiefs, Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton has been one of the more underrated rookies of this season. But, I mean, any rookie defender not named Michael Parsons just – he just hasn't been getting the time of day, unfortunately. But Nick Bowden has been playing a really big role this year, had a really nice game this past week, had a great wild card game. I mean, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. And as a part of this uh, Chiefs defense, I mean, he's going to have to be able to stop the run and work out in pass coverage. C.J. Azuma may not be the most well-known tight end, but they do like to throw it to him, especially on third down. That happened a lot against the Titans. Also, Joe Mixon is going to be trying to play a bigger role in this game than he did the last couple of weeks. So Nick Bowden is going to have to be one of those guys all over the field. Uh, for me, Ricky, it's your guy, Jamar Chase. I think that in order for them to – in order for them to match the high-powered cheese offense, he's going to have to have another one of those superhuman type of performances where he puts up 150-plus yards. Because outside of him, they have other pieces, like they have T. Higgins, 
to have CJ Azuma like you stated. But we all know that Jamar Chase is that dude. And so for that offense to go, him and Joe Burrow are going to have to be on another level of production. Which I hope happens. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, starting with our Mamba Players of the Week. Out of the Eastern Conference, I'm going Joel Embiid. How about you? Joel. Yeah, it's been 42-14 and 14 a couple nights ago. 38 and 12 uh, against the Spurs, Clippers 40 and 13, and of course we, as we all know, uh, 50 and 12 against the Magic. I mean, it's hard to really go against them. All right, and then moving on to my Western Mamba of the week, I'm sticking with a big man. I'm going Nikola Jokic, just continuing to thrive with this team. One may argue that this team may not go as far as they would hope, just because the overall talent isn't there, but they do still have the reigning MVP on their team. I'm going with um, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. Very fair. All right, and then my rookie mom of the week, I'm going to show some love to Cade Cunningham. He talked about how he felt like he should be the rookie of the year. I don't know if that's going to happen, but this past week he's been playing like it, especially a couple nights ago in their loss to the Nuggets, 34-8, and eight, the most points of his career so far, really proving to be that scoring weapon that he was drafted to be. Yeah, I'm going Cade as well. He's had a good – all right, so let's go ahead and move on to some trade rumors. We all know that there are questions surrounding the Washington Wizards and what the future is going to look like with regards to Bradley Beal. However, it seems that Beal is flexing his control in that front office. He requested that the Wizards front office make an attempt to trade for all-star power forward DeMontis Sabonis. Now, as we all know, Indiana is possibly on its way to a rebuild. So how do you feel like Sabonis would fit with the Wizards if that move was made? I think it'll be a good fit. I think he's a guy that he's used to playing with a um, dynamic guard because he played with Victor Oladipo when Oladipo was at the best point in his career in Indiana. And he's not he's he's a he's a selfless player. Like he's a guy he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time to make plays, and he just has a really high basketball IQ. So I think it'll work out pretty good. I agree, and I think that if you really are trying to get Bradley Beal to want to stay on the team, you have to appease him. You have to give him things that he wants with players who can help him be successful. Now, neither of us are saying that the Wizards are going to be a championship team any year, anytime soon, but bringing in a player like DeMontis Sabonis will definitely help out their front court and allow more opportunities within the post because DeMontis Sabonis is one of the best post players that we have seen in the coming years. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to another Eastern team, the Boston Celtics, who are having a few problems. While we both recognize the talents of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, questions arise about if they can be truly successful. Um, Celtics legend Robert Pears talked about the pair and said, Brown and Tatum don't have the ability to make their teammates better. Woj um, already said that the team is still continuing to try to find players to complement Tatum and Brown. They are not looking to break those two up. Robert Williams is another player. I think it is unlikely that you'll hear in their name in any trade discussions. While it seems like the team does not want to do it, do you think that it would be in the best interest of the Celtics long-term to trade either Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? Um, I have a mixed bag on it because I think that they have a high feature as a duo. But I also see the difficulties that they have with having both of them together because I think that they're, both, they're two really ball-dominant players, 
what's their ball dominant players that don't look to set up other players as they um look to score. Like I go back to um in previous years with the Miami Heat with LeBron and D Wade, like they were they're two ball dominant players, but they were two willing passers as their ball as their ball dominant players. You don't necessarily see that out of um Jason Tatum or um Jalen Brown. So I think that's a difficulty. And I think that honestly, if you were to break it up, depending on what you get in return, it could actually be worth it. Like if you get a couple first round picks and maybe like a, I would say maybe a complimentary piece to, because I'm pretty sure if someone were to get traded, it would be Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to get a complimentary piece, like I would say for them, a good thing, maybe instead of getting two, having two wing players, is getting a big. Like, if you're able to bring in somebody like, um, I know he plays for the Bulls now, but I think his contract might be up soon. It's like a Nikola Vucevic or a or a DeMontis Sabonis or someone of that caliber. You can kind of have, like, an inside-outside approach. I think it would be good. So, it's like a toss-up. Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, between the two, I think it's safe to say that Jalen I mean, Jalen Brown will be the one move just because Jason Tatum seems to be more of the one that they're trying to build around, which is understandable. But, yeah, I mean, it's no point of trading somebody and not getting something of equal value. And so, as you mentioned, I mean, they definitely do have a need for golf, big men. I mean, big men has been a really big problem for the team for the past several years. And kind of throwing another name into the mix, I think Jeremy Grant will be another solid addition if they were to go that direction. So, yeah, no, I'm in agreement with you on that. But all right, let's go ahead and play a game of believable or buffoonery, starting with reigning finals MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo and when he was asked about his NBA goals, he said, I want to play 20 years. Hopefully, I can play all 20 of them with the Bucks." In addition to that, he would also like to win multiple championships for the team. So, believable or buffoonery, Giannis Antetokounmpo will be the next player to stay with one team for their entire career. I think it's believable. I think that Giannis is, for one, if you look back at it now, a lot of the players that have spent team, extended teams with the same team, they're of foreign descent. You look at Dirk Nowitzki, he's German. You look at Manu Ginobili, he's Argent, he's Argentinian. Tim um, the only real, yeah. You said who? Tim Duncan. Yeah, he's from the Virgin Isles. So um, the only real like pure American athlete that we know they stayed on one team for an extended period of time. Honestly, if I can remember, is Kobe Bryant. And honestly, with Kobe, the big thing with him was he wanted to get traded. They just didn't want to trade. They just weren't going to trade him because he was such a great player. But um, I could see it happening. Yeah, I could see it happening as well, especially just because I feel like winning a championship with a small market team, I think that puts you in a whole different stratosphere of success. Like, if you win a championship with the Lakers, that's great and all, but that's kind of to be expected. But I feel like in Wisconsin, I feel like he's worshipped there just because he was able to bring the Bucks a title. And I think that different type of fame, fame and acclaim, I think it just 
for lack of a better term, I think it hits different. And I think it feels better because I think you get more recognition for what you did as opposed to doing it with the bigger market. So, yeah, no, I believe call that believable as well. Speaking of smaller markets teams, Jaron Jackson Jr. has had a great year in what I believe is his fourth year in the NBA. So much so that his beloved teammate, John Morant, talked about him not being included in the discussion for defensive player of the year and said his stats speak for himself. It's that simple. I just feel like they just tried not to look at it. And at the time of this quote, he had been locking people down. For example, Jaron Jackson in the their past eight game stretch was averaging 4.1 blocks per game, best numbers in the league. So believable or buffoonery. Jaron Jackson should be considered a favorite for defensive player of the year. Yes. Because, first and foremost, because a lot of these favorites, I hate to go this route, but a lot of the favorites for this award, they're injured. Rudy Gobert, he's injured right now. Miles Turner, he's injured and might be done for the rest of the season. Um, Draymond Green, he's injured. But also, when you look, if you on the court, and I have numbers of times on television and in person, he, he provides his element that Really, in my opinion, only him and Draymond Green can do it, whereas he can effectively guard guards on the switch. It's been numerous of times where he's been put on the island with the guard and he stayed in front of him and he's held his ground. Whereas you look at Miles Turner and Rudy Gobert, they're only subjugated to the paint. That's their territory of domain. And Jerry, I went to the MLK game against the Bulls and it was several times where people tried to go when they tried to drive to the paint and Jaren stepped up and they backed out. Like, no, nah, I don't want to, I don't want any of those problems. So I think Jaren should win defensive player of the year. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, especially if he's able to keep it up. I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, injured players, I mean, they shouldn't, I feel like if you're injured, that should be a hit to your chances to win a, award just because there are other players who are playing and are having great seasons. And Jaron Jackson is one of those guys. So I'm in agreement with you. But all right. Let's talk about another startling big man and Joel Embiid. Since J.J. Redick has retired early this offseason, he's been very vocal, um, very much a member of the media, and had some interesting comments about the 76ers and said, I don't know how you can justify wasting this year of Joel Embiid's prime when things across the league feel fairly open. In saying that, he meant he was referring to Daryl Morley, Morley holding on to Ben Simmons rather than trading him. So, believable or buffoonery, the 76ers are wasting Joel Embiid by not trading Ben Simmons. They are. Um, Joel Embiid is playing at a MVP. He's playing at an MVP caliber. I understand that. In my opinion, Nikola Jokic deserved MVP last year, but also even last year before Joel Embiid got injured, he was on an MVP caliber type pace. And I think that they're whole, they're wasting his talents because this, like JJ Redick said, this is the most open that the NBA has been in years. Whereas you have, like you look at the Eastern Conference, you have the Miami Heat who are the number one seed. But you also have a, no, a number of other teams that are very close in record, like including the Philadelphia 76ers. They could go on a four-game win streak, and they could be the top seed in the Eastern Conference. And when you have a guy that's, that's dominant and as talented as Joel Embiid is right now, if you aren't able to pair him up with a secondary piece, because the reality of it is, is once it gets playoff time, he 
he he's going to need that help because teams are going to be focused on him because of the actual the honest truth is he's the only op- singular option in Philly. Like I understand that they have Tobias Harris, but Tobias Harris isn't in in my opinion an adequate piece. Joel Embiid is the guy dominating these games and so they're gonna primarily focus on him. But if you're able to trade trade Ben Simmons, a guy who's shown that he doesn't want to play for the organization, trade him for a competent piece. Like I understand you're saying you wanna you want a superstar piece, but with each passing day, Ben Simmons' value was getting lower and lower. So why not just go ahead and trade for a piece like a like I've stated, like a CJ McCollum, a guy that's a proven veteran in this league, a guy that's proven to show up in big time games. He won he's won playoff games by himself in Portland. Why not go ahead and make that move? I feel you on that. And speaking of a player that the 76ers are hoping to trade Ben Simmons for or at least make a move for, James Harden, who we've heard his name being bounced around quite a bit, but this the latest news around him is kind of talking about his frustrations about Brooklyn. Reportedly, he has not enjoyed living in Brooklyn and has voiced his frustrations regarding Kyrie Irving's part-time playing status. He's intended to um, test out free agency, even if that does mean he goes back to Brooklyn. Now, Kendrick Perkins, after hearing those reports, was like, I don't blame him if he leaves this summer, to be honest, because he deserves better. Now, believable or buffoonery, James Harden will be making a mistake by leaving the Nets. Uh, I don't think he'd be making a mistake. I think that, honestly, given the fact that, like he stated, Kyrie Irving's part-time, he has frustrations with Brooklyn. I don't really know. I think I heard something about the weather. And it's like, bro, it's New York. It's going to be cold. He was playing in Houston for so many years, he forgot. Yeah. And I remember hearing him say something about Steve Nash on substitution patterns and things of that nature. And it's like, bro, you have to realize that every coach coaches their team differently. But I don't think he'll make them. He'll be making a big mistake because it's like if you're like let's hypothetically say he's able to go to Philly and team up with Joel and B like the Sixers want, then you instantaneously you have a dynamic duo that I could see potentially rival rivaling KD and Kyrie because Joel and B is the most dominant big man right now, and in my opinion, him and KD are the two most talented players in the NBA right now. So. I don't think it'll be a mistake. I don't think so either. I think in terms of like winning a championship, you and I kind of talked about this off the air, but I feel like his best chance to win a championship is in Brooklyn. Now, if he goes to a team like Philly, then I think that his chances go back. But, I mean, if he's just trying to go somewhere to get a payday and be the star again, I don't think that he's going to be able to win another championship. So it really just comes down to his motivations for his leaving. But, I mean – He's a former MVP. I mean, one of the best shooting guards that we've seen in the last 10 years. I mean, he has every right to leave if he wants to leave. I mean, he's earned it. But, all right, last piece, let's go ahead and make our game predictions for tonight. Only two games taking place, starting off with my Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. I got Sixers. I got Sixers. All right, Minnesota Timberwolves versus the Golden State Warriors. I got Warriors. I got Warriors. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the WWE. All right, now it's time to talk some WWE, and more specifically, my favorite pay-per-view, Royal Rumble, which if you guys 
didn't listen to last week's episode or forgot because it was kind of like towards the end. I will actually be in attendance for Royal Rumble. It will be in my birthplace of St. Louis, Missouri. And while I don't like St. Louis, I like wrestling and I like the Royal Rumble. So I'll be going and I'm excited. Sorry, didn't say any of that to brag. I'm just really excited for this weekend. Speaking of excitement, all right, here are my predictions for the weekend and honestly most of these I'm kind of just winging it starting off with the grit couple versus the it couple aka Edge and Beth Phoenix taking on Mrs. Maurice this was pretty much the easiest match on the card to try to predict because I mean it's pretty safe to say that Edge and Beth are gonna win how much Beth Phoenix we're really going to see like over the course of the year I'm not totally sure but I think it's pretty apparent that she and Edge are gonna win this is their first mixed tag match I want to say ever yeah I want to say ever and I mean we know Edge can still go and Beth is shown in small spurts so she can go as well I'm really interested to see how this match really goes because personally I'd prefer Ms. and Maurice to win just because I find them much more entertaining but I think that it'll be a nice change of pace to see what Edge and Beth can do cohesively because I mean typically let's be honest when we think of Edge with the woman we think of Lita and when we think of what Edge and Lita did in the ring it wasn't half matches Sorry, I'm tired. Moving on from my incredibly bad joke. Let's talk about something else that's incredibly bad, and that is the name of Dewdrop. It's stupid. But Piper Niven, because we're sticking with the OG names, has a Raw Women's Championship match against a fellow Celt, Becky Lynch. That, let's be honest, Becky Lynch is going to win. But I like that it's something new. I would like to see uh Becky versus Bianca but only because I want Bianca to win and truthfully I want her to squash Becky which I know isn't going to happen but it'd be cool Liv Morgan got her push and she did a fine job of it but realistically I don't think that they really had any real long-term plans for her um and so because of that I think that Becky Lynch it makes sense that she remained champion even though you know I didn't want it but um with that being said I think that this match could be very good I mean it's something we haven't really seen before and I think they'll really just be able to showcase just how great Piper Niven aka Dewdrop really is moving on to the WWE Championship a match that a lot of people have been waiting for including myself and that is Bobby Lashley taking on Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. I got Brock Lesnar winning, but I mean, I think that this is going to be a very enjoyable seven minutes of action. I mean, let's be honest. Brock has his few moves of doom, the F5, the German suplex, and the I don't give a shit about your kids. So, I mean, those three moves can end anybody's career and in a match just like that. Whereas with Bobby Lashley, I think that he's definitely more nuanced in the ring, especially since um, returning to the WWE. And as much as I would love to see Bobby win this match, I think Brock is going to end up coming out on top. What does that mean for WrestleMania? Great question. I'll get to that with the very next match, and that is the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns defending his title against Seth Rollins. Yeah, so you know how I said I'll get to WrestleMania? Yeah, I'm getting to WrestleMania. I think Roman Reigns actually retains as well. I know a lot of people are kind of on the bandwagon of Seth Rollins beating him but truthfully I don't see him beating Roman clean and I mean he mentioned it on Raw that he knows that he can beat Roman Reigns Roman doesn't know if he can beat him and truthfully if there was going to be somebody to take down the tribal chief my guess would not be 
Seth Rollins, especially because the Usos aren't going to be at ringside. So I'm just trying to think how it, there's really no feasible way to have Roman lose clean. Like you can have him get disqualified. I mean, there's that, which now I said out loud, maybe I should change my prediction. But other than that, I don't see Roman losing. And so how that ties into WrestleMania is I have no no freaking clue how they're going to do WrestleMania. But I'm not mad about it because I like the variety and it allows me just to chill and just be surprised by what I see. All right, moving on to the Women's Royal Rumble. Now, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know what it is with Royal Rumbles. We get two picks, okay? I get two picks. It's the person I want and my actual pick. So starting with who I want. I want Mickey James. You all know how much I love me some Mickey James. For those of you who don't know, Mickey James was my first favorite female wrestler, and she stayed that for a very, very long time until Charlotte Flair won over my heart. And while I believe that Charlotte is the GOAT and Charlotte is also in this match, I would love to see Mickey James pull out this win, get a real match with Charlotte, kick Charlotte's ass, and be the TNA, not, I'm sorry, it's not TNA, you know what I mean, Impact Knockout Champion, and SmackDown Women's Champion. I just think that'd be dope. But worst come to worst, can I at least see a match between my two my two favorites? Just let me get it before Bianca overtakes Mickey at two. That's all I ask for. And then moving on to my actual pick, I'm going to say Bailey. It's been, what, nine months now? Something like that since Bailey's been gone. And while I'd be lying if I, if I said I was a Bailey fan, I recognize her talents as a heel. And I think that she could kind of play a similar role to kind of Seth Rollins right now if she were to feud with Bailey or Becky, honestly, and just kind of be that maniacal, overzealous face who's kind of annoying and incredibly cocky, but you enjoy them because they make you laugh. They get a reaction out of you because they have a personality. And I can see that being what happens with Bailey. Honestly, um, like I mentioned, may not be a big fan of hers, but I'd much rather see her than the other alternative of possibly somebody with the initials of RR winning because Lord knows I just don't need that negativity in my life. And then finally, the men's Royal Rumble. Without a doubt, the most difficult match to pick anything. So who I want to win of the known participants, I'm going Kevin Owens. You guys know how much I love Kevin Owens. Heel KO is my dog, one of the most entertaining wrestlers in the biz. Do I think he really wins it? Nah, but it'd be really cool if he did and then moving on to who I think is actually going to win. This is going to be weird. But I'm going to say Roman Reigns. You may be asking yourself, why would Roman win the Royal Rumble after he retained his championship? And that is true. I have two reasons for this. One, covering my bases just in case somehow Roman loses. Because let's be honest, you know he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. He's going to main event. You know it's going to happen. And then two... Similar to what the stipulation for Charlotte being in the Royal Rumble, where it's if she she wins, she gets to pick her opponent at WrestleMania. Well, Roman Reigns wins. He gets to pick his opponent for WrestleMania. He picks somebody brand new. It winds up being pretty freaking cool. But those are my predictions for Royal Rumble 2022, and that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please sure check out the Export.net, our Pete Export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow Export writers. Pre episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Ethan's not on this part, so I'll say it for him. Um, go Grizz. Go Titans, I guess, question mark. 
honestly, I'm recording this before the actual show, so I don't know how, how tightened up you really finna be feeling right now. But, you know, for me, go Tigers, the real Tigers, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, um, Claude Edwards-Alaire, Tyron Matthew, hold on, I'm not done, OBJ, and Arden Key, because Arden Key is a 49er. All my LSU Tigers represent NFLSU, show out this week, but you know, you know the teams I want to win. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.